I know. I was going to do. I, I have an idea called uh, "Take Luke to the Woodshed," where uh, <laughs> when I say a thing that people think is completely wrong, they just talk to me about it. Like Emily, who we had on the podcast, that is my sister, was not too thrilled about my pit bull comment. Well, I knew it. I, I was waiting get, for yeah, it. Yeah, she <laughs> she did it. She did uh, the old carry you. I'm mad and just going to pull out the handle right now. <laughs> do they have pit bulls no but like so emily at uh the job she had before she she became a wonderful <laughs> stay-at-home mom to my niece charlie uh she used to work for a breeder and she volunteered at a rescue center i believe and she did a lot of work with pit bulls and did a lot of work trying to um like address a lot of the myths in formation that's out there because if you breed a pit bull correctly if you breed if, if you train a pit bull correctly they are lovely dogs who are actually really a, a very good dog to have it's just if you do it bad which is what some people do they they can be bad and so she so so the whole time you're selling me this i'm just imagining pit bull the rapper <laughs> the entire time uh, florida you if you train him. your pit bull <laughs> in the wrong way he's gonna your pit bull's l- gonna be angry <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna drink a lot of bud light and dance with shakira whenever we need hispanic people to be represented i'm sure america could do a better job of that in the future find maybe some better people just get like sergio or something i don't know not Pitbull, but I know he likes Pitbull, so I regret To the woodshed. Luke to the woodshed. Yeah. All our Hispanic <laughs> listeners could take Luke to the woodshed. <laughs> Were you about to say, that's not what I meant? <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah, fair. So, uh, yeah, so I apologize to everyone who was really upset with my Pitbull comment. They are good dogs. Uh, they can be, you know, they're very great dogs. So I'll, I'll be on at some point in time, and she will do that thing. and She can correct that's, me. That's so funny. Yeah. Take Luke to the woodshed. <laughs> she was uh, so mad at me. <laughs> do you guys have any special plans for your birthday? Uh, so on Saturday night, there's a huge beer thing here in town. We're going to go to that with uh, my best friend from high school, Aaron, and his girl and his uh, girlfriend. Very excited oh, about that. Oh, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Remember Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. I know Aaron. Aaron's a good dude. I've known Aaron since I was eight. So, yeah, he's actually been one of my best friends since I was a child. So, he's a good dude. I, I met him the first day of third grade. I actually asked him to be the godfather of my next child. Oh, that that, that makes sense. That's that's part of the course. I figure if he's good enough for Luke, he's good enough for my child. <laughs> Unfortunately, Luke is not good enough for my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, I'm a terrible godfather, so it's fine. Our, Man, our, I'm a I'm a terrible godfather. What what are the responsibilities of of a god of a of a god. godfather yeah, so god. many things <laughs> well we'll find out from thanos uh once he gets that six sure infinity will. gem <laughs> oh man you have to uh walk your your person regularly you have to give them <laughs> treats <laughs> you have to make sure they're not like pitbull <laughs> you have to get them to be able to uh do watch me and sit yeah, and go mess on the toilet paper and not on the carpet. <clears throat> That's about it. It's in the yeah, Bible. Yeah, somewhere in the back of Leviticus. <laughs> it is an abomination. <laughs> really? <laughs> Dang it! Ah oh, man, what can you? What can you do? Huh? I mean, really? <laughs> Come on, Levitical priestly code. <laughs> Anywho, I'm 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 all I'm all jazzed up about Leviticus actually lately. I'm all jazzed up, my friend. Why are you jazzed up? I got I got some inclusion stuff happening. I got some angry Protestants throwing questions at me. Uh, it's all very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> Good times. There. Oh man, can I tell you what really pissed me off? Listener Emily sent us a Facebook message of a Catholic answers post about uh, having Jesus having a personal relationship with Jesus. Oh, that was oh, that- the guy who. It was so frustrating because he equates the phrase having a personal relationship with Jesus with bad youth ministry, probably from the 80s and early 90s, of what I call Buddy Jesus or Buddy Youth Minister, where your whole goal was just to be their friend. But he was really just getting at even the whole like um, notion of a personal relationship with Christ. Yeah, my favorite thing is the guy writes in this post, now, Jesus only calls himself our friend three times in Scripture. And I'm like, yes, Jesus 
calls us his friend three times in scripture. Jesus That's... Christ, the son of man, the alpha and the omega, God incarnate, calls us his friend. I do not call you servants. I now call you friends. That's a pretty big freaking deal. St. Thomas Aquinas literally defined heaven as friendship with God. The most heady theologian, the, the driest man who ever lived, all light, no heat, friendship with God. And yet, and yet, so here's my beef. Let me just throw this out and then I'll be done with it. Here's the deal. Personal relationship. What does that mean? Number one, it's personal of or having to do with the person. Jesus Christ is not just found in the community of the church, which he is, his body. He's not just found in the sacrament of the Eucharist, or the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, which he is, body, blood, soul, and divinity. But Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, is alive, and he is capable of having a relationship with all of us because he's alive, and he's a person. So as a person, he can have a relationship with you as a person. The unique thing is the God of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the sovereign, saving Lord of all creation, yada, yada, yada. He wants to have a personal relationship with me and with you. And it means having to do with the whole person, meaning all that I am, my emotions as well as my reason, right? My base desires as well as my will, my imagination, my memory, all of the stuff that makes me fantastically, beautifully me, Jesus wants to have a relationship with and to conform to himself. So, yes, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Ugh! Well, and I want to add one more thing that our uh, good, our good old white, probably like, probably like neocon um, dude wrote, is that one of the heroes of those <laughs> individuals is uh, is Pope Blake Benedict, who repeatedly talked about the importance of what friendship with Christ. <laughs> Over and uh, in fact, I think he did it more than JP two did. I think he did it like the, on his like. Like, when he, like, was made Pope. I think it was one of the first things that he talked about. Here's a quote from Pope Benedict. Only in this friendship are the doors of life opened. Only in this friendship is the great potential of human existence truly revealed. Only in this friendship do we experience beauty and liberation. And so today, with great strength and great conviction on the basis of a long personal experience of life, I say to you, dear young people, do not be afraid of Christ. He takes nothing away and he gives you everything. When we give ourselves to him, we receive a hundredfold in return. Yes, open, open wide the doors to Christ, and you will find true life. Amen. Pope Benedict. That's it. I just had to get that off my chest. Anywho, shiplap. Thoughts? Ship, I don't know what shiplap is. Shiplap. Shiplap. Oh, never mind. Sorry. I am... Someone doesn't watch Fixer Upper with Chip and JoJo. I know. Not as much as I used to. I'm really sorry. Shiplap is she puts that shit on everything. Horizontal planks with a penny-sized space in between it, often with fading white paint. Shiplap. Uh. <laughs> See, I don't pay attention to a lot of the specifics. I just go, huh, I wonder how much that cost. I, I go, wow, she's pretty. What kind of Asian is she again? <laughs> <laughs> Polynesian? Is that, does she have some, is she Hawaiian? I don't know. Irish Hawaiian? Catching Foxes would like to make an apology to the following ethnic groups. <laughs> Hispanics. Polynesians. This is a huge list. Good thing it's an audio podcast. You can't see the list. The Brandon Vaughts. <laughs> Whatever ethnicity Brandon Vaught is, <laughs> Luke is sorry. <laughs> I'm guessing German. Vaught? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> schnell. Vaught. Schnell. Halt. <laughs> No matter what, you will always hear in World War II movies that have a German German scene. <laughs> Go, you schnell, will always hear schnell. schnell, which means hurry, halt, which means halt, stop, and then vat, which means successful blogger, <laughs> <laughs> content director. <laughs> We'd also like to tell you what, to the Germans. <laughs> There's the first. <laughs> yeah. Who apologizes to Germans? Ah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We've been waiting. Danka. <laughs> Danka, Sean. Oh man, that was that was weird, Luke. 
Sprockets. This is what medicine does. This is what medicine does. I'm as happy as a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, w- w- we should both be in horrible pain and do an episode while we're on Vicodin. Can you imagine? <laughs> February 9th, 10th, and 11th. I'll be hanging out with you. <laughs> we'll call it the Vicodin episode. The Vicodin episode. <laughs> we just walk and we're like, man, everything is wonderful. You know who you're not going to take to the woodshed? You know who's not going to be found drinking a Bud Light with Pitbull? <laughs> Ryan Krieger at Krieger Consulting. Ryan Krieger and his team speak both geek and Catholic, so they truly get your idea and can help you build it faster and better. Together, they have 10-plus years of experience as professional programmers and designers. Krieger Consulting can build custom apps for iOS and Android and help you launch that beautiful website to take you from new idea to complete project together. This isn't just for parishes or ministries either. If you have an app idea and you want to work with like-minded professionals who can bring it to life, Ryan can make that happen. Here's some side notes. One, Ryan went to Franciscan. Drink. And he built the only app that was personally launched by the Pope. That's right. Pope Francis, they have a picture. He's pushing a button on an iPad, launching an app. That's pretty cool. Also, he's advertising on this show, so you know it's got to be amazing. So head on over to KriegerConsulting.com slash CF. That's Krieger, K-R-E-A-G-E-R, Consulting.com slash CF. That's CF there. Let's them know that you came from this show. It supports us. It supports them. Affiliates all around, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you so much for Krieger Consulting, Ryan and his team. Thank you guys for supporting this show. Or if you've ever seen The Wolf of Wall Street, which I do not recommend. It's a trash movie, but uh, Quaaludes, huh? <laughs> yes, they're Quaaludes. It's like Scorsese wanted to make a porn, and he was like, how can I do this? Well, I'll get Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, I'll throw everyone off, and we'll make it about <laughs> the evils of capitalism and um, snort some coke off some people's boobies. <laughs> Done. <laughs> and then introduce Margot Robbie to the world. Oh, my gosh. What a weird... Yeah, I, I just like... There were parts of it that I liked, and there were parts of it I was just like, what, what is the point of this? Yeah, no, like, it was What a is the movie. point of this? It's, I feel like it's when a director is, like, I understand that a lot of people like that movie in terms of, oh, it's so bad. It's the same damn thing of Leonardo DiCaprio talking to Scorsese, and they just film it. Like, so many scenes is like, hey, we're, we're going to go on with the movie, but instead we're going to stop and just talk to you, right? I just want like, Leo to talk to me. <laughs> so he's uh and i i'm a i'm a scorsese fan so i will see anything he puts out have it except for the catholic one because i don't know if i can stomach it yet um, which one uh <laughs> it's the silence movie or sorry silence yeah 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 i i know it's to me it's just one of those like heavy films like i yeah. who watches sh- the movie sh- sh- um Oh boy, those SH sounds can be a tough on a stutter. Who watches Schindler's, Schindler's List? Schindler's List, like <laughs> for uh, like for fun, like like who just like puts on like oh yeah. it's it it is it is movie night. Grab let's just like grab grab the popcorn and watch the girl in the red coat be killed. Sounds like a plan. Like it's it's one of those like heavy films that I think you should see, but I got to be in the right headspace in order to watch it. Yeah. I mean, remember the Seinfeld episode where Jerry was eating popcorn and making out with a woman while watching Schindler's List. <laughs> so but he, it was only because that was the only time they could have private time together was when they went to a movie and everyone to leave him alone. But then people saw him making out to Schindler's List, told his mom. <laughs> as you do. Uh, as one does. So now I have four copies of The Soul of the Apostolate accidentally. It's kind of crazy. There you go. Hmm. And I'm really excited. I got this uh, a handful of books from Blessed uh, Columba Marm- Marmion. <laughs> I don't know how to say his French name. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he wrote about uh, almost the same time as Dom Chatard. Dom Chatard. So, so I'm excited. I'm diving in through all these, like, old school, because they're so cool, um, spiritual theology writers. Ah, uh, nice. I, I mm. wish people would send me books. No, oh, this isn't people sending me books. Oh, um, you just went and bought it's, it. Uh, no, it's people donating into the church, and they call me because I'm the adult faith formation coordinator. Mm-hmm. So I get first dibs. <laughs> or like, uh, wouldn't it be weird if it's some like catcher in the riot thing where anytime you're in a store and you see it, you just you have to buy it. 
<laughs> Michael Gormley has 37 copies of The Soul of the Apostolate. <laughs> like, uh, oh, gosh, what's that Mel um, Gibson film? Conspiracy Theory. Anytime he's like passes a bookstore, he has to buy Catcher in the Rye. It's what the CIA does to a man. Yep. yep. So, I've got... Hey, Luke, are you recording this on QuickTime? Yeah. Okay, just verifying. No, it's fine. I've got a topic. I've got two topics. Whoa, 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 whoa. For for the show? Oh, yeah. Ugh, I don't know how I feel about that. I've got topics. and i got loyalties and loyalties. I might do. No, sorry. I no, apologize, uh, everyone. Uh, I'm going to get a glass of water because my throat is screaming at me right now. Uh, and this sounds like a great place to put in our ad read. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it. We might do it. Gomer might do a thing. We might do it later. Who knows? But we're very excited about this. It's like a Catholic cards against um, humanity, but without the sins. Uh, thanks, Luke, for that very spirited ad read. <laughs> the Catholic card game is unabashedly a Catholic version of Cards Against Humanity. Matt, the producer of the Ultimate Catholic Comic Book, decided to make his spin on the game with thoroughly Catholic content. It's a fun party game made by Catholics for Catholics. So here's the deal. They are at $16,425 of their $22,000 goal on Kickstarter. Our hope is not just that we give them the Catching Foxes bump and they get this project funded, but that they hit their stretch goal, which is, get this, <clears throat> a Catching Foxes expansion pack. That's right. If we hit $29,000 before February 15th, they will produce the Catholic card game and the Catching Foxes expansion pack. That's pretty freaking sweet. So head on over to Kickstarter right now, and all you got to do is search for Catholic. And the Catholic card game will probably be the first thing that comes up because it's just that cool. I want to thank Matt and Lisa from the Catholic card game for their support of Catching Foxes and for you for giving them the old Catching Foxes bump and <laughs> getting us our own expansion pack for a party game for Catholics. I love that idea, the Catholic card game. Thank you. Now back to Luke. I bet you he's doing something interesting. And now I'm going to read um, from... A medical bill. Hi. Might as well. Oh, you're back. Never mind. I was gonna read off of a off of a medical bill we have in our office. From anesthesiologist. Ooh, uh, don't let me stop you. Uh anesthesia incomplete missed car payment. Actually, let me let me stop you. <laughs> let me stop you right there. Uh <laughs> oh, man. All right, that's fair. So Luke, uh what? I want to thank the Ultimate Catholic Comic Book Fellows for that wonderful ad. Hey, what's your topic? Uh, I got two. I'm a prideful bastard. So that, that. go on. Uh, and I want to talk about what the heck is happening to America right now because I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. A little. Bit, I'm a little bit Mardi Gras. A little bit. <laughs> I'm a little bit President's Day here. Okay. Okay. I thought you were going to keep going because I have other ones. I can't remember any of the others. I'm a, I'm a little bit of Mardi Gras in my life. A little bit of Labor Day is what I need. A little bit of uh, Conscription Day you got you and me. There's not a Conscription Day. That's weird. Conscription Day. <laughs> Come, children. Let us celebrate the day we're compelled to serve the military. It's Conscription Day in old Ireland again. Time to fight for the king. How could this end wrong? Okay, so uh, let's start with the prideful bastard part. Um, okay. So I was, I just want to get your thoughts on this. This might just be me just like, hey, everyone, here's why I'm a huge jerk. And I just end with you going, oh, Luke, you are so broken. This is the, like a woodshed thing for everyone now? Ah, kind of. So, okay. You can take yourself to the woodshed. I was on Twitter. I think, <laughs> the other I think that's a sin. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Listen, only in 38 states. I was, um, uh, I, what was I doing? I was on the old Twitter, as you do. And I started to see all these people. Like with, hey, here's my podcast. Hey, here's this podcast. Hey, here's that pod podcast. And I got, I got a little like angry. Got got a little bit mad. I was like, what, like, what, like, what are we doing here? And I just basically like went to Aaron and just like went off. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Everyone wants to have a podcast now. Do they even care about the like whole like medium? And I was just saying, sure, part of this is because of my of my pride, but like, like. Like, do these people even, like, love the whole, like, medium, or do they just want to have a podcast so they want to, like, be popular and be cool, and they just want to have a microphone and have people, you know, hear them? And I was just like, 
thinking I was like so like righteous. And Aaron goes, okay, so like what podcasts are like you angry about? So I uh, told her this like one. She went and saw it. And she was like, honey, they have five episodes, nine reviews, and are like college kids. What do you have to worry about? <laughs> this is your. This is pure like hubris going on here. This has nothing to do with your fear of like, of like, because I you know I was getting mad. I'm like, they're just like diluting of the market. There's too many people now who have podcasts. Everyone needs to just back up a bit and ask themselves why are they really doing this. And um, and I realized it was just my pride. I was just worried that our podcast was going to be made insignificant. Now, could you could you reenact a part of this, like especially the part where you were super emotional? Oh, I was like, like I don't point time. And I was like, you're not angry at me, so let's just tone it down. <laughs> I have a shot water all over my microphone. Oh, I thought you were going to go into more story, but you didn't have to at all with that gem. <laughs> yeah, you're right. not, Luke, you're not angry at me. You hate yourself, <laughs> Luke. There's this tiny little hardened core in, the, in your heart called called self important rage. <laughs> yeah, I it's, mean, it's 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 that same part that when your best friend goes to a different school than you and then from your neighborhood and he has a friend and you hate his friend because he's taking away your best friend from you that's that part yeah that's what's oh, going on there hey matt how are you doing matt oh no it seems like a nice guy this uh this matt <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah yeah it's um it's just you know like no matter what I have to realize that even as I grow in my faith and as I mature as an adult I'm still a I can fall into some stupid stuff man that just like I was mad I thought and I think here's the thing is when this stuff happens you think you're just so righteous like I thought I was so right about how like, these people don't care about podcasts I've been listening to podcasts since 2008 <laughs> you were what just being born <laughs> which is true in this person's case no um. I was mad at a ten year old, but I, I think <laughs> I, I, and he has a killer podcast. <laughs> yeah, right, son of a bitch. Um, I, I do think there is something to though because you know, like podcast is an e- it's, it's an easy thing to start, easy thing to break break into. And what was really on making me angry was I feel like all the like what, what, basically what people want to do when they start a a on a Catholic podcast for the most part is they just do like Catholic stuff. You um. I should know light where it's like, here's a topic and we're going to just, they're basically doing junior high, um, junior high religion class pretty much. And I, I was getting mad at it because I was like, what are you doing? What are you creating that is new? Like, I will say this for us. We at least were doing a thing that no one else was doing at that point in time. At least that I, that we weren't aware of. With the Catholic same. dick jokes. <laughs> exactly. Who was who doing it? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Marcus Grodi? No. Scott Hahn? No. no. Tim Staples? No. <laughs> Mary Beth um, Bonacci? No. Like, um, she was a chastity speaker. The material was right there. It was right <laughs> there. And she walked away with her head held high. Well, we don't hold our heads high here at Catching Fucks. <laughs> we sure don't. Um, <laughs> if anything, they're bowed in shame. Uh, and told to not make eye contact with those that we love. Hey, how funny, though, that I bet you these these people that you're running across probably emailed me or you or us or, or sent us a Facebook message mm-hmm. at some point asking, hey, how do, how do you get started doing a podcast? And, and it's, I probably gave them very lengthy descriptions on how to do it. <laughs> and then they did it. And now you hate. Them. Well, and like, you know, it's funny because I like we've we've both. That's very true. Like, especially in the past, like three months, we've had a lot of people come to us asking yeah. us things. And it's been great. I, I like. Please do. I I love to talk about the stuff about what works, about what that does not work. But I think I, I this is where I, this is like within every bit of thing that we screw up, there's a little bit of truth there. I think for the most part, or truth that's been dis distorted, if if you will. And I do think people have this desire where they want to have a podcast and just talk about. They just want to talk like theology, mm-hmm. which is. I mean, there isn't anything like wrong with that, but at some point in time, when is enough enough? You know, and there are people. If you think that it's you, it's not, unless it is. Um, <laughs> Let's take a walk down ambiguity lane. Yeah. Well, no. So all the podcasts that I that um, I saw on there were were done by people that I did not know. 
So let me just put it that way. So if you think it's you, if you if you if you talk to me about your podcast, this is not about you. I can I I can say that with confidence for the most part. So because um, you know I could be wrong, but like with you, absolute maybeness. Like, do you think there's some something to that though? Uh, no. I here's what I think. Uh, podcasts now because the threshold to enter is very low. It's like blogging was. Five or ten years ago, or mm-hmm. ten, fifteen years ago, like everyone had a blog. I think I had three at one point. My wife had one, which is really weird. Um, I had one called Rational Exuberance, which was my Tumblr blog, my Tumble log. Um, you know, the there's a lot of stuff that uh, when you tear down the gatekeepers and you make the cost of entry almost nothing. Everyone wants their fifteen minutes of fame, but everyone wants their voice to be heard. And in a culture that's not listening to anyone, it becomes great to maybe do something, try it out. Now, the hard thing is when, I mean, number one, everyone thinks that they should have a show. We obviously thought that. Should we? I don't know. But we do. <laughs> Jury's so take still that, out. America. Jury is way still out. Um, you title a show, Old People Sex, you get 20,000 downloads in a week. Uh, <laughs> you try to talk about yourself dying, your fear of death, you get five. Uh, five oh, people. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Being interrupted here. What's wrong? Well, now I don't even. I gotta. I gotta psych myself up. So you know why you shouldn't be so <laughs> upset about the damn podcast thing? Why? No, because this is. I mean, think about it, right? Like the whole blog thing. But yeah, the barrier to and en- the barrier to entry is so low. Anyone who has a Squarespace website can have a podcast because it's just one of their blog forms. You just set it up as a podcast form. And you can be up and running without any additional costs other than the microphone recording stuff. And you got a Mac. I mean, shit, you could just record right into your computer, edit it on free GarageBand. Well, I and post the MP3 there. I'm not saying that I don't want people to podcast. I'm just saying, I guess what bothers me is more of, is what they're podcasting about. It's just, it's the same thing like everyone wanted to be a Catholic speaker. I'm just like, yeah. why? Like, if you really like talking about this stuff and you really feel like you have a voice and something that, like, I mean, we all, I mean, everyone does have a voice. So I don't want to take any, it, yeah, no. You're right. I get it. Because everyone does have their own, a unique voice. And that in and of itself is of extreme importance. So I don't want to, um, I don't want to come down on that. So it's, it's, it ultimately comes, I think for me, what it comes down to is my fear because I like what we're doing and I don't want it to get lost in just in the noise of, of everything. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, you know, there's only so many listening earball, earballs out there that are going to consume the content, but I don't think that there, that any new podcast is significantly going to steal from us or any other, you know, I think what it's going to do is going to grow the listenership, mm, right? Because true. the yeah. vast majority of people like NPR, NPR got in the podcast game from the beginning, mm-hmm. the vast majority of people who listen to NPR by a magnitude only consume it via broadcast. And when you think about it, I mean, you can use TuneIn and get NPR on your Amazon Alexa, and there's all these different ways to get it, but none of that matters because the vast majority of people just listen to it on the radio. So what we want to do is grow the podcast audience. We don't want it to be the domain of white men with neck beards. <laughs> we want it to... We want to let a thousand flowers bloom and have all these different things, and then we want to crush them. <laughs> I did have this feeling of like I, I did, like I guess one of the bad things about myself, so I can get very competitive. One of the bad things, <laughs> one of many. I can get very competitive, and I can be a pretty piss poor loser, uh, yeah. as my parents can attest to in high school. Um, now, I think it's more, I think, on the outside, for the most part, to the world. I don't allow that to show. I try to just grin it and bear it. It's more when I come home is when that's I have the hardest time with it. So, and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm you know, I, I am much more likely to uh, unload on my wife about all this stuff that I ain't, which is, <laughs> uh, please pray for her uh, and the things that she must endure. Uh, it's servant of all, Luke. Servant, that's true. Of yeah, all. No. and yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's your theme. You said it. Yeah, you said it specifically in relationship to your wife, but also involving other areas. Mm-hmm. And yet, you're using her like the exhaust port 
of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> uh, nerve herder. <laughs> hey, that's our word. You don't get to use that word. <laughs> Family guy. <Yeah. laughs> okay, so everyone, just have a podcast. And just... <laughs> have a damn podcast. Steal our audience. See if we can. <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead and talk about your junior high theology and blah, 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 blah. Well, no, but let's talk about that. So, So I'm trying to come up with, like, you know, video stuff. And whenever I think about the Catholic faith, in terms of creating cool content, all I think of is more Bishop Barron DVDs. You know, like, mm-hmm. I have an all-access pass to the old Bishop Barron. And I've watched every single one, almost every single one of his videos. So I've seen someone via DVD, didn't watch those. But, you know, uh, his talks and stuff, they're brilliant. I, I heard someone who, he was giving a talk, and they were there at a live recording, and there was something wrong with the audio. And he came back up to reshoot a segment and he it did all without notes. He just restarted from where he assumed the audio cut off and they just patched it all together. Like the guy is amazing. Hmm. Right. That's that's a cut above yeah, we'll never get <laughs> most there. things. Yeah. Yeah. And so you think about that, right? So I've been listening to a lot of his stuff and I'm like, okay, where can we go? I talked with Corey Hyman, good old Corey Hyman at Likeable Art, made the created book, awesome stuff. And, you know, he was talking about, he's like, Gormley, whenever you do your teaching stuff, like brain-wise, the teacher and the student are like adversaries. And the teacher's trying to win over the student. But when you use film, you can show a student learning and the actual students in the classroom experience empathy with the student. And so they learn and they don't ever have that adversarial kind of thing going on. I was like, real? And he goes, yeah, it's actually really powerful, and it can be rather dangerous. If you want people to learn something, you just show someone learning something, right? So you have a a narrative of a teacher teaching a student, and through a crafty narrative, the student finally gets it. Well, you as as the actual student watching the video, you're like, oh, yay, I get it now too, and blah, blah, blah. You experience this overwhelming amount of empathy with the character. And I was like, huh, how the heck... Without going nonfiction, or without going fiction, right? Without telling a an actual story, a made up story, how can we communicate these things? And I am really struggling with, like, how could I communicate discipleship without being like, you need to disciple people, right? Now I'm thinking maybe I could film me talking to homeless people about how you should disciple the poor, and film me having potlucks with gross 20 something millennials who don't know how to have proper hygiene in my house and loving them. That's cool. But that also feels a little voyeuristic and intrusive. Well, and, like, and when do you, Hey, don't mind these cameras walking through the house while I feed you chips. I'm just trying to show people how to be a good person like me. I'm like, Ugh. but then when, this is, I guess my only issue with things like that is when does, um, when do we replace the personal or the sacred with entertainment? Because part of the thing is, is that that's, is that to get these things across, that's the purpose of stories, not stories yeah. that are meant to, to, and to entertain per, per se, like, um, like stories aren't, aren't necessarily like real stories aren't meant to entertain on one level. I guess they can, but it's more about just providing well, I don't go. I, I don't. I don't want to go down this road too too far. But when you, um, I, I'm still trying to understand this. This is going to be very incomplete thought, and I and I and I apologize. But is it good to use entertainment to get across profound truth? Yeah. See, but is it like the highest good though? Like is is it is that what oh, we should? I'm not gonna say for? it's the highest good, but that's. I mean, Aristotle nailed it in the Poetics, where he said basically the philosopher and the poet have more in common than the historian because the historian's trying to get at specific truth, whereas the philosopher and the and the poet are trying to get at timeless. But truth, see, right? I, like, I, but there's elements of that. But there's a difference now, between like. So I think there's a difference between entertainment and um. I, I'm. I, um, when I say entertainment, I mean enjoyable. 
Like, like, are we having to dumb down stuff so people can understand it? And so, which, which then, like, ultimately um, makes the information we're trying to provide uh, that it makes it shallow. Well, are they mutually exclusive? Like, can I communicate timeless truth in a fun, lighthearted, and engaging way? Or just can I add humor like Chesterton? Chesterton communicated timeless truth, and he was super witty. He had a nice pair of wits. Okay, Chesterton. That was a joke. Chesterton was very <laughs> oh, okay. witty. No, no. Low. That was low, Gormley. <laughs> Swinging low, sweet chariot. So the notion is, I mean, like there is an element where you can cheapen it, and then that's inappropriate. Like sometimes when I give talks, I have this filter, and the filter doesn't work. And I'll 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 nail a really important point, and then I'll immediately ruin that point and the atmosphere I've labored to create by making a funny joke, right? Yes, there are times when adding elements of frivolity and entertainment can take away from the thing, but also I think, like I think I mean I I don't know I don't think um, I'm reading the Iliad right now like that was entertainment to the people. They would enact portions of the Iliad, if not the whole thing, to an audience of people who would memorize parts and cheer on parts. But they're also communicating the history of their people, their belief system, their identity. You know, like there's I think there's I think there's room for both. I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but I also agree that mm, entertainment can cheapen things. Well, absolutely. I, 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 I want to keep going going down the road because there's just a little bit more that I that I want uh, to say, and I have a microphone right. um, and a podcast. I think when we live in a culture where that's all you do is be entertained, and you don't really have the full truth of what's of what's going on, um, that's a problem. And i I think I don't think we have a I don't think we have a balance of that at all right right now. No, I don't think we do. I think we are entertaining ourselves to death. Yeah, no, that's and I'm I'm actually pulling this off of a book that I'm reading right now. I don't want to uh, called um amusing ourselves to death. And it's yeah. this is and I'm still trying to understand like all that he's saying. So I I've only gone I'm 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 almost done with my like um you know, first reading. So I'm not an expert on it yet. But one of the points that I think he's really trying to to get across is the problem when we use, so it's like his his big thing it's it's not the TV shows that are that are bad although I think he would see how much we have now and just like he would like he would have lost his mind um, it's the fact that we now have to make our we have to have like our news has to be entertaining church has yeah. to be entertaining these things that are not entertaining in and of themselves when the culture. It demands that they be entertaining, and we adhere to that. You've got Brave New World, pretty much, where it's just more about like I just want to like feel good all the time, as opposed to really yeah. understand these these, these uh, and like because you know, it's we, like we're not we're not really understanding when we 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 place what we feel as being more important than what we know, and it shouldn't be that imbalanced. And I think it's so imbalanced right now. That I fear that with the church tries to make, if we try to make everything be enter, be entertaining, as opposed to um, complete, like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And this guy, like I mean, like he he will like he traces it all back to the telegraph. It's really interesting how instead what like happens is, is we don't have these like profound things. We just get small bits of like information that like does like mean anything. And now like like the end result of that is a culture of sound bites. And if that's yeah. what we're trying to produce, like that's a problem. Well I mean that's our politicians. That's how all political debate is held in our country. Mm-hmm. That's how that was my point on um <clears throat> the much hated uh, Matt Frad Integrity Restored episode where I defended Game of Thrones. I said, listen, I understand pornography is wrong, and I'm not defending the pornographic elements of Game of Thrones, but what I'm saying is when the only thing you think is wrong is pornography and you're ignoring all the violence and all the murders that we see day in and day out, and you ignore the 24-hour news cycle, 
like I and I went on this little tirade about how I think the 24-hour news cycle is actually more damaging to the American psyche because number one, it's it everything is filtered down into left and right. Everything is filtered down even further into very complicated things with a lot of nuance just becomes a soundbite. When they have debates that represent different sides to give you the full picture, fair and balanced, what they end up doing is just fighting and then the segment's up in three and a half minutes and there's no clarity except your side got a couple good good shots in. And, you know, it's like it's it's ridiculous. I would agree. Like the the sensationalism and the hyper entertaining factor of the news is ruining American culture. And that whole idea of, yes, we everything that is, even things that aren't entertainment need to become entertaining. I agree. Like, that's wrong. I, I am also not saying, or I'm also saying that there is elements of presentation and style that can still serve both masters. Now, I grew up listening to Scott Hahn audio cassette tapes where I could down four or five hours worth of talks in a single sitting in like a day, like I would bring these socks home. Most teenagers at that time could do that. So me, it was entertaining for me to listen to Dr. Han. Whereas I try to play for my friends and they'd be like, what are we listening to? And I was like, no, 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 just wait. He makes a funny joke right here. You know, like there is elements where I, mm, well, we can, I think if I'm sorry, I, 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 I 100% agree with you off in our culture, we expect everything to be, Entertaining and by entertaining, I mean like pop music style entertaining, quick, consumable, makes me elicit an emotional reaction immediately. Doesn't involve a lot of complex thinking, but there are plenty of stuff out there that does. For every, you know, headline on, you know, on online, you can still have, you know, the New Yorker or the Atlantic or um, First Things or something like that that provides a little bit more in depth discussion whether it's right or left then where when do we start to push back and say this is too important to be um you know to be pop yeah mass well yeah no yeah absolutely i I think that is one great example of of that but i think when we try to because it's it's it is not so it's not that I'm saying that people like G.K. Chesterton, who has his, who has all of his jokes and stuff. I, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but when you have to have the jokes because that's just as important as the content, like that's a problem. Yeah, and I just I don't think I feel like what we're trying to do is I, I think at times the temptation within our culture is to hit the hit the technique stuff right get all of like that done and dwindle out the rest of, of the message yeah, sorry at the expense of, of the message and so what happens is a thing that really shouldn't be talked about in like you know like 5 minutes does yeah and it's like i think um Gosh, I had like a lot of a whole bunch of thoughts while you were I'm talking about something like Bishop Barron's theology of God class talks. There, you know, a series of talks. I think maybe if you combine them all, it's two and a half hours long, something like that. It's a good introduction to studying theology, the theology of God, right? Theology of theology, right? So, would you? I mean, is that where you would start? What What are you What are you saying here? Like. I don't know. I, I'm looking for practical. Yeah, is what yeah. I'm so I, I guess like what I'm saying is, if we expect everything we do to have like the Instagram like filter on it, to have a lens flare, to have be like you know like you know slow moving, and ha- if we expect everything we do to have a dramatic punch, yeah, like it's if 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 that's how you want to like advertise that, that's fine. Like whatever. But I, I think when it comes to the actual content itself, I don't know who's – it's just it, – it can become a little bit uh, too much. I think that's that, that's where I would, like, draw draw the line where when the presentation of the content ha- is just as much about how it's 
if if there's just as much emphasis on how it's being presented on what's being said or or actually no i'm sorry if the how it's being presented becomes more important than what's being said i think there's a problem with that and it's and this is fair enough but i don't think i really don't think there's a clean cut way to separate the two because you have people who are master rhetoricians right they can speak they're orators i'll use orators they're orators they are amazing at crafting a sentence like St. Augustine, uh, St. Ambrose, in order to get the thought across, right, the truth about it across, a well-crafted sentence that maybe is funny, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's none of the above, but it's artistic and it's well thought out, it's good prose, or it's, or it's poetry, can hit people in the truth bone a lot harder than, um, you know, than just a, a statement, you know, like, so St. Augustine using alliteration or rhyming words um, as he was one to do when he was writing, um, you know, some of his stuff. I, I don't think you can separate out the truth of the thing from the delivery method of the thing as easily as you can, like, right now just talking about it. I, I don't think you can. No, and, and I, I, I'm not saying that you – that it – gosh, what about I'm I'm – I – I'm not trying to say that that's a bad idea. Of, co- of course, I think that's I think that's a great way to do it. Like truth, goodness, and beauty. All of all of those things are Im, are important. But I just do think that if everything has to be Instagram, if everything has to have like a filter on it, right? Something's wrong, and that's the way that our um, culture is right right now. And I don't know, and I, and so I, I mean I don't know. I I really don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of at a loss because I I this is one of the things that really scares me is I am a little bit worried that like our culture is just too far gone. The like not not in terms of the morals that we have, but by our very approach to culture is so far off base that it's just inherent that the way we do things could be inherently wrong. My favorite philosopher, Alistair McIntyre. Hey, oh, that's a that's he calls a deep this. Cut. Mm-hmm, he calls this culture an emotivist culture, where there is no reason. There is only emotions, and the reasons we give, like saying, uh, you know, that's wrong. This is right. Is really is really fancy pants language that disguises the fact that what we're really saying is, I like this, I dislike that, or whatever, and so we're hiding our sentiment or our emotions using language of rationality, but really there is no reason. It's all rationalization, right? It's all a thinly veiled lie to cover up the fact that I just want it because I want it or, mm-hmm. or I hate it and I want you to hate it. So blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think McIntyre does a good job knocking that down. But at the same time, our, he, he acknowledges like our culture is not driven by the virtues, which it was Aristotle, Aquinas, it's not driven by virtue, Stoics, Kantianism, decency. That all died with, in Auschwitz and on the battlefield of World War II. The post kind of, you know, kind of postmodern age is an emotivist age where if, the cheap version is if it feels good, do it. But uh, it's much more sophisticated versions of that. But really, like, I mean, people say all the time about mass, right? They say a mass is good. What do you mean it's good? Right? So they give a value judgment of mass usually based on two criteria was the homily moving and was the music good. And those are the two least important things almost about the mass, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, the gospel, did you, did you pay attention to the truth, beauty and goodness of the gospel? What about the reception of the Eucharist? What about the praying, the creed, the one of the most ancient prayers of the church we said with one voice together, the people literally died mm-hmm. over this creed. You know, whole church, whole communities were lost over this creed, and yet we we don't think anything. We're just getting ready to get our envelopes out, toss well, it in the basket. And this is one of I think this is one of um, I'm really just starting to under to understand this that when they built the West, when they built the culture of the West, they weren't trying to build a culture to encounter God. They had encountered God and built a culture from that. And so it comes from God, and it, and I guess in a way, like, kind of goes back to him 
it, you know, it, it, um, is done. It was done. It comes from a relationship with, with him and ends up in the end being all like for him as here's. And so when we place all, all like of the music as being like, well, how are these people going to like, you know, like encounter God if the music is bad, it's like, well, are we encountering God in the first place while we are, while we are there? I don't know if that makes any sense at all. I'm, I'm like, we're like way off the map of what we were talking about, but podcasts, yeah, podcasts, people, should we have podcasts? No, but I mean, I think about this all the time because I want to create a, a like short form podcast on various topics. And I feel like I don't know how the problem is as Catholics, we immediately want to go to theology, story of the saints. And there's a lot of good stuff that's out there. You know, Andy, Levsneski, uh, Redeemed Online does the Catholic heroes. But like, here's the thing: right when he started to do all that stuff, then so did so many other groups as well, and that bothers me. Like now, the new hotness is to create like a like month long like fast thing. It started with you know Exodus ninety. Yeah. Now everyone else is doing their own their like own like version of that, and and. Part of that is just like how things go. That's the ebb and the flow of things until they become like burnout. And then, you know, and I, 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 I guess there's just this part of me that's just like, um, are we doing this because we really want to do this? Or do we just um, like there is more to the world than God and theology. That sounds weird. Hopefully that's not like a heresy. But like there, it's not like it's not. I mean, God is obviously the most important thing in the world, but he's not the, like he's not the only thing. Like there's a lot of other things, and like why is why is it talk about talk about one of them uh, Olive Garden? Do a podcast on Olive Garden. I don't know. It just I, I'm just, there's just this part of me that's just like, do you? I mean, um, I don't know. And I, it, I I I just get worried that like we tend to isolate the rest of the world from our, our lives because we are scared. We don't want to touch. It's, it's almost like we think like. The world is bad, so everything that's and I just don't want to touch. It. So I'm just going to stay here and I'm like, like, why do so many kids at Steubenville get? Why do why aren't they theology majors? Like, and why do people take like why do people go to like Ave and you know like all these other schools to get that to get that degree? Why do people take out debt to do that? You know, Doctor Han used to always say, "Theology, what was it? It's a great like second major, right?" Is what he said. Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty powerful. I mean, you're coming in there. You know, when you're a theology major at Franciscan, at least when I was there, you had to take a class where they basically told you you're not going to make any money, so probably shouldn't choose this major alone. And then you had professors like Dr. Hahn say, you know, it's a it's a good second major, but you, you shouldn't stake everything on theology. You're probably not going to be a theologian, right? You might be a teacher, right? You might be a youth minister or campus minister. But you, you, there might be 50 other things you need to do. It's a great second major. I think about a buddy of mine who um, was a theology major because he loves God, right? He, he had a profound, convert, profound conversion when he was in high school. He did not want to lose what he had by going to a state school, and he chose Franciscan, grew in his faith, theology major, became a youth minister, hated it. I know so many people who hate their theology major, who hate working in catechetics or whatever. They hate it. And then what do they do? Get a job in IT. Get a job in sales. Get a job, you know, something that has nothing to do with anything. Theology really is a great second major, especially if you're an undergrad. I'm telling you, you want to be a great evangelist? Get a good degree in the thing you love plus theology. Right. You'll have the language around it. You'll have the understanding around it, but also you're doing the thing you love. So if you like, like my poor friend Luke here, communications slash education slash history. And let's not forget English for a good three months. <laughs> Everything but theology. I love Shakespeare. <clears throat> you have, uh, that guy was entertaining. Um, you have so much like that you can offer the world and that uh, Dr. Hahn used to talk about this all the time when he would say things like uh 
you know, I, my neighbor doesn't believe in God or whatever. And he'd say, so you know what I talk to my neighbor about? Uh, anything but God, because I want to have a good relationship with my neighbor. And you know what happens after a while? My neighbor's like, hey, aren't you that theology professor? Yeah. What does that mean? And then he unfolds, right? And he, so what does he talk about? He talks about music and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and all this like classic rock stuff that Dr. Han like loved. He would talk, I'm talking a lot about Dr. Han lately. He talked all about this stuff. And that's the thing that honestly, what I find that drives me insane about our insular Catholic culture is we don't have theology and or blank and theology, right? It's just this thing. And if you put Catholic on something, all these people who are Catholic will filter through and go and listen. That's why I did not want Catholic catching foxes. I did not want I didn't want Catholic in the title at all. Yeah. I still feel because like I wanted, yeah, I still feel like we've gone down that road a little bit too far at times. What? Because I just you know, we're just we are so well known as a Catholic podcast. Because we are so unknown, and I'm just like I hear that I'm like, uh but I I get it, but yeah, it just I don't like it. I, I you know, I, I I don't care as long as it's not marketed that way. Yeah. I don't care if other people do that because we are and it always comes out. But think about it from the perspective of like, I mean, like, talking about Star Wars, we talk about Star Wars from our perspective, not a Catholic perspective. Because we are Catholics, it has a Catholic perspective in it. There is an artificiality that I hate in a lot of Catholic reviews of movies where they try to fit it into the Catholic box. And you're like, nah, I mean, uh. I remember Father Jay from Life Teen asked Father Jay. One day we were talking, and I was reading a book, um, it was like the Christian philosophy of J.R. Tolkien or something by Peter Kraft. And he's like, I don't really like like books like that. I said, well, you haven't even read it. And he goes, no, but it's kind of a genre. I said, what's that? And he goes, Christian rereading into things in order to make it fit your template. And I was like, no, well, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I guess, I mean, J.R. Tolkien was a devout Roman Catholic, so it's going to be in there. But he's like, no, I'm not saying this, but like that genre where it's like, Oh, the Buddhism in Star Wars or the Christianity in Star Wars. And it's like, eh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you were ever exposed to that. Yeah. But I was as a youth minister. You would get that all the time, right? Like, what are the Christian themes found? It's like, the, what are the human themes? And what do we as Christians think about that? Like, that's the part that I think people miss. What are the human themes of this piece of art or you know, what is the story behind the story or what is the moral or whatever? It doesn't have to be a Christian moral or, you know, I don't well, know. No, this is what I mean. Like, I think we, the golden calf for a, for a whole lot of us is ideology, you know, that we uh, try to adhere to. That's why like so many, you know, like that's why a whole bunch of chastity talks get reduced to i'm a guy har 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 no porn or or the girls like i'm a princess of god he <laughs> you know like it's because there's these you know like ideals we're trying to strive for and we make those ideals way more important than god actually working in our lives and trying to understand what does that actually look like and what's the experience of that and how do i allow god to work more in my life yeah and i i think it's um because, like, and, like, I think it ultimately goes down to, like, cause the vast, like, majority of us haven't actually allowed God to, like, heal us. And so we're trying to strive after this thing. Like, it's, it's like we're stuck in, we're, like, stuck in um, uh, the mud talking about how great the patch of grass is 20, like, 20, like, yards away. And we're just stuck there, not really, like, we think we're there or we think that we have access to it but we don't, but we just talk about it all the time. So it's really kind of like delusional. I think it, it, it just gets to that point where it's just like, you're not living in reality. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> Speaking of not living in reality, I'm looking at this olive garden uh, <laughs> gift card that I was given and it's written in papyrus. Gosh. It was, it was funny. Right at the end, and I was like, what are we even talking about anymore? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> well, our listeners will not either know. The bottom line is your new podcast sucks. Give it up. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not true. At the Luke V. <laughs> at the Luke V. Pope Benedict.
Um, if you want to, if you want to give us money to keep saying this stupid crap and to waste everyone's time, patreoncom CF. Well, um, do we have a bonus episode out out of this one, or should we talk afterwards and do a, a quick bonus episode? I think we're gonna have to wait till Sunday to do a bonus episode because I cannot talk. I oh, have to, oh, I have to stop. That's right. All right, so we'll have one up on Monday. Uh, we apologize; it was not out this week, but Gomer got sick. <laughs> yeah, no, and I actually had to like I kind of I didn't I didn't actually collapse but i needed a, to rest over the weekend in the first part of the week because i was just actually had a guy who is a who's um who he's a surgeon cardiovascular uh, surgeon he was like yeah you should really rest after this after what, what, what happened to you last last oh week. wow you know, I, also, kinda, hmm? I also want to thank all of our listeners who have also had strokes who all wrote in it was kind <laughs> of amazing it, it was, was really amazing yeah it's um yeah, it is more common than I thought it was. So if you donate $30 or more, you're in the stroke club. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I do have to go. I do have to go. My throat right. is throbbing. Go. But go. Uh, that's all I got. Bye. Bye.